Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. When you think of the strongest animal in the world, what comes to mind? Maybe you imagine the blue whales. Clocking in at over 100 feet long and weighing around 200 tons, they're the largest animals to have ever existed on Earth. Their hearts alone can weigh up to 400 pounds, and the ventricles inside are big enough for a human being to crawl through. Or maybe you think of elephants. The African bush elephant is the largest land mammal on the planet. They can grow up to 24 feet long, 13 feet tall, and weigh up to 11 tons. They also have a lifespan of about 70 years, which is longer than any other mammal except humans. Or perhaps you think of ants. The common American field ant is, pound for pound, stronger than any bodybuilder out there. They can lift up to 5,000 times their own body weight. That's like a 200-pound man lifting a million pounds. So, when it comes to the world's most industrious animal, there's some seriously tough competition. But the organism that tops the list might surprise you. It was discovered in 1773 by a German naturalist named Johann August Ephraim Goes. And that's kind of a mouthful, so we're just going to call him Johann. Now, Johann discovered an organism that defied everything scientists knew about life on Earth. You see, he was really into studying water, and specifically the microorganisms that lived in water. Well, one day he was looking at some liquid under a microscope, and he noticed this tiny little thing wriggling around beneath the lens. It had eight legs, translucent skin, and a tube for a mouth. Johann thought this was curious. This aquatic being looked kind of like a miniature bear, and so he named it a Wasserbär. That's water bear in German. And Johann noticed something very interesting, too. When the water bear was taken out of water, it dried up. But it did not die. It entered a sort of sleep-like state, kind of like an actual bear going into hibernation. As soon as it was back in water, it woke back up, good as new. Now, even in the 1700s, this discovery definitely caught the attention of the scientific community. An Italian clergyman named Lazzaro Spallanzani began studying the animal, and he noticed that it moved really slowly. So he gave it the name Il Tardigrado, or Slow Stepper in Italian. In English, we would call the animal the tardigrade. Since it was first found, scientists have done a ton of research on tardigrades. Here's what they've discovered so far. When a tardigrade is in the water, it seems like your standard microorganism. It only has a life expectancy of a few weeks, but when it dries out and enters that hibernation, which the scientists call the tun state, it becomes nearly indestructible. And I'm not exaggerating either. In the tun state, Tardigrades can withstand temperatures as low as one degree above absolute zero and as high as the boiling point of water. They can get blasted with thousands of times the radiation that would be fatal to a human and be totally fine. They can even go into the vacuum of space with no high-tech astronaut gear, might I add, and return to Earth unscathed. Basically, name an apocalyptic scenario and the tardigrades will probably be A-OK. -okay. Oh, and I should also mention they can stay in the tun state with no food or water for 30 years. Now, based on the fossil record, scientists believe that tardigrades have been around for about 600 million years. 
That means they existed 400 million years before the dinosaurs, and they survived the mass extinction that made the T-Rex a thing of the very distant past. Because of their incredible strength, tardigrades can be found on every continent, including Antarctica. If you scoop up some water from a nearby pond or lake, chances are you might be able to find one swimming around inside. Of course, it won't surprise you to know that scientists are very interested in what exactly makes the tardigrades so resilient, and they found something that might actually prove useful for humanity. It turns out tardigrades have a protein in their body that experts call damage suppressor, or D-SUP. D-SUP is able to bind to DNA inside the tardigrade's body and protect that DNA from damage, which is, at least partially, what makes the tiny water bear so massively strong. This is all relatively new science, by the way, but it's possible that the DSUP protein could eventually have a medical use in humans. And who knows, maybe one day we'll be able to make ourselves as strong as those curious little creatures. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. When she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier, and these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head-on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. We all love our pets. Sometimes a little too much. We don't just spring for the gourmet food and expensive colors, but there are also those little outfits, the treats, and they usually hog our covers at night as well. The dogs, cats, ferrets, and lizards in our lives aren't just animals, they're members of the family. And Francis Henry Egerton, the 8th Earl of Bridgewater, treated his family very well. Egerton was born in 1756 in London. His aristocratic family was well-known, and well-respected, with members having served within the military and the English government. Francis was sent to Eton and Christ College, Oxford, for his schooling. Nearly 50 years after graduating with the Bachelor of Arts degree, he inherited his title of the 8th Earl of Bridgewater, and of course, a lot of money, from his late brother John. But as with most rich aristocrats, Egerton was known for being a little eccentric, he was a lifelong bachelor, and in his later years, he abandoned his familial home in Hertfordshire for 335 Rue Saint-Honoré in Paris, 
This property was originally a hotel, but its new owner renamed it Hotel Egerton and got up to some wild hijinks while living there. For one, he loved animals. Egerton kept a number of dogs, cats, and birds in his home. And he didn't just adore his pets, he pampered them. His dogs had their own personal footmen, who would put little leather boots on their paws and fasten a linen napkin around each of their necks at mealtime. Every pooch had their own seat at the dinner table, where they would sit patiently while they were served a gourmet meal on silver platters. As I said, the man was eccentric. But not every dog had his day with the Earl of Bridgewater. Two of the man's dogs, named Bijou and Biche, were less obedient than their other siblings. When they misbehaved, he would sequester them in a separate room of the hotel for one week, devoid of attention from their doting owner. And when he wasn't having dinner parties with his dogs, Egerton was keeping a close eye on his footwear. He wore a different pair of shoes every single day. At night, he would take them off and line them up in one room next to the pair from the previous day. By the end of the year, he had 365 individual pairs of shoes that could tell him what the weather was like on a particular day of the year, or how muddy it had been. Apparently, he had never heard of an almanac or a journal. Of course, he may have had his strange behaviors and spent his money on frivolous things, like a year's worth of shoes. But Egerton was no fool. In fact, he'd been a fellow of all souls at the University of Oxford. And in 1781, he'd been made a fellow of the Royal Society, a designation reserved for people who'd made a significant contribution to the fields of math and science. He also did not stand to be pushed around by anyone. When Napoleon Bonaparte came to Paris to rearrange the city according to his plan, the would-be emperor didn't stay long at Hotel Egerton. The Earl kicked him out, and he did the same thing to the Duke of Saxe-Coburg, who tried to take the hotel for himself. On that occasion, Egerton armed 30 of his servants, ready to go to war over his home. The Duke wound up leaving empty-handed. But not all was right in the City of Light. The Earl longed for his days back in England, when he would go out with his hounds and hunt wild game. You might think hunting would be impossible inside a hotel, but you'd be wrong. Egerton held small hunts on the property, complete with English hounds, and an English fox. As he got older and couldn't walk so well, his servants would help him by putting a gun in his hands and holding him up to shoot pigeons, rabbits, and partridges. When Francis Henry Egerton died on February 11th of 1829, he left a collection of 67 manuscripts about French and Italian literature to the British Museum. He also bequeathed them 12,000 pounds to start a fund so they might acquire additional manuscripts in the future. And he left 8,000 pounds to the president of the Royal Society. The money was to go to any authors chosen to write a treatise on the power, wisdom, and goodness of God as manifested in the creation. Eight such treatises were composed between 1833 and 1836. As the Earl of Bridgewater, Edgerton was no stranger to side-eye or rumor. He lived his life the way he wanted, which is something most of us only dream about. And he did it with style and flair and some really well-dressed dogs. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show and you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious.